Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. One day when I was at his office, uh, he was like, oh, have you ever heard of the internet? And this is before anyone had ever heard of the internet. Okay. This is in the nineties. And I was like, no, he goes, come over here. You can use my computer. He goes, type in anything you want to know and it's going to come up. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I call it actionable empowerment. Every single episode, you'll hear the story of a fantastic woman in tech, from engineers to founders to investors to journalists to designers, all sorts of different females in tech who have thrived. I want to share their stories with you so that you can can know what resources, mentors, and life situations they accessed in order to get to where they are today. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast. I'm currently in Los Angeles in the Santa Monica Sound Studio celebrating the most incredible women in tech here in Los Angeles. And next up, I have Linda. Hi, Linda. Hi. So go ahead and formally introduce yourself to everyone and tell us about your company. Okay, I'm Linda Tran, uh, and my partner, Kyle Polich, is a data scientist. So he kind of started this company, Data Skeptic, and basically it's a data science consulting on one hand, but also it's not in competition with you, but it's also a podcast. It started four years ago as a podcast. That's awesome. Then, it doesn't feel like there's tons of podcasts. I love it. <laughs> Tell us about your podcast. Um, so the podcast actually has two different formats. One is kind of more speaking to more basic um, data science, which is mainly stats principles and introduces you to basic topics. And the other one is actually interviewing experts and is a little bit more academic. So it toggles between the two formats every week. So whether you're kind of an intro or you're trying to thinking about stats or data science, you can listen to the easier ones with which I'm on. It's called the mini episodes. Or if you're you're like, oh, I have a PhD. I know what I'm talking about. You could listen to the long format ones, the interviews. And what is the name of the podcast? The podcast is Data Skeptic, the same as the company. So. Amazing. Amazing. So you guys check out Data Skeptic. We'll include it in the show notes as well so people could click over. So tell us, when did you and your partner come together? How did you form formulate this company? And where, where in L.A. are you guys based? So we work out of our home office. Uh, and so how did this form? My It's actually my husband. So Kyle Polich is my husband. And we met many years ago at business.com in tech as well. <laughs> and from there, he's kind of just this quirky, he has glasses. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to listen to this. But you know, if you can think of your typical kind of like nerd, he looks kind of like that. <laughs> um, but anyways, on top of that, he loves podcasts. And it's not something I'm into, but he's listened to podcasts and he loves them so much. He speeds them up and listens to them like three or four times as fast so that he could get through as many podcasts as, as possible with his spare time. <laughs> I do that with um, more educational podcasts. Like so, just, yeah, yeah, it sounds like it's a thing that people do. But I in my head, I feel like you're totally uh, just distorting the intention. <laughs> 
Well, it, I think it depends. I think something, if it's educational or in, informational, just power through the information. So, a podcast like Sex, Death, and Money, which is one of my favorite podcasts, that's more storytelling. So I don't want to lose the art in the story. But and I get I get I think it could go both ways. But yeah, a lot of people do that. So now you offer um, data science uh, services as well as you guys create the podcast or you just do the podcast. Yeah, it's a two two pronged kind of arm. The podcast is interesting because it's a lead generator, right? It connects us to the community. It's the community that, you know, Kyle has built up over four years. Right. And then the secondary arm, the data science consulting has really just been full force within the last year. So we're a completely new data science consulting company. And now uh, for a couple things, what is your role within the company? So I like to say it this way, but Kyle gets to do what he's good at, which is data science um, and everything that goes along with it, which is kind of the strategy, the programming and advising and consulting. And then really he brought me on board and he was like, I want you to do everything else, (laughs) which at the time I did not know enough about running a small business. So I was like, yeah, sounds easy enough, right? Right. Everything else can't be that hard. So, but in reality, everything else is actually me learning everything else. So he gets to do what he's good at and I get to learn and do, I feel like fumbling sometimes, like learning how to do taxes and accounting and like basic small business practices. So I every day is a challenge. Yeah. So I, the first year has been really, really tough for me, but I feel like I'm over the biggest hump and we're moving into taxes year one taxes. So I'm almost done. (laughs) (laughs) So you've been in tech for 10 years. When would you say is the first moment that you recognize you had a passion for technology? There, there was never actually a moment, <laughs> but there, there was a moment actually. Okay. So I worked at Trailer Park, uh, which is an ad agency in Hollywood. And there I was a mobile app project manager. Right. So basically I was just focused on Android and iOS mobile applications, which at the time, not that many people were doing mobile apps and there weren't that many mobile app project managers. And it was, I think, I suspect it was a little tough for them to even find a project manager who had experience using a smartphone at the time. And then so when I got the job, I had only had my smartphone probably less than a year, but I loved it. (laughs) I was a late adopter to my smartphone. It was an Android. And when I got the job, my boss, my manager, he goes, oh, he goes, I'm so glad you use a smartphone. And that was a moment that I was like, you know, I don't know why it took me so long to use a smartphone, but it was kind of like a domino effect. If I hadn't gotten my first smartphone, then I would never had interviewed for that job and I would have never gotten that job. That's how you feel about podcasting. If I never got an iPhone, I wouldn't have become a podcaster. That makes so much sense. right? (laughs) I It sucks, but. You know, Apple's still dominant for distribution for podcasts. It's so crazy how much a phone can impact the trajectory of our profession. It's my life. My yeah. life. He, it's changed my life. It's wild. And so, okay, walk us through the flow of your tech career. When did where did you start, and then how did it how did it flow forward? Yeah. So my background, I actually didn't know what I wanted to do exactly, but I was a studio art and political science major but growing up in my household my dad which was where oh I'm from I grew up in Florida and North Carolina so my dad was he's an early adopter of technology so he would constantly bring home um, computers or like 
video game like consoles and even if they were totally outdated very quickly or no one ever used them ever he kept bringing home technology because he always wanted to tinker with it and so one day he when I was at his office uh, he was like oh have you ever heard of the internet and this is before anyone had ever heard of the internet right (laughs) this is in the 90s and I was like no and he's trying to entertain me because I'm just playing at his office yeah. and he's trying to work yeah so he gives me his he goes come over here you can use my computer he goes type in anything you want to know yeah and it's going to come up and at the time the search engine was yahoo yeah, yeah, yeah. and i'm a kid and i was like i have no idea what i want but i go what about garfield uh-huh. and i type in garfield and they actually back then had all these garfield comics i was like oh my gosh it's like reading the paper of garfield <laughs> but all at once i don't have to wait for the next paper to come out right. so i literally sat there the rest of the time and read all of the garfield comics but okay back to that That's so cute what it means is uh after that my dad then brought the internet to our house Uh-oh. and that was only because he worked for the university of florida right and so we had the internet before anyone in our class did and i would tell my friends i'd be like yeah we got something called a modem <laughs> And we're doing the internet. And my friends were like, what is that? And I'd be like, I don't know, just come over. And we would start chat. We actually started chatting. My sister and I were like yeah. chatting in chat rooms. And back then you actually had to refresh the chat room to see the next message. So I remember both me and my sister would be hovered over the computer and be like, hey, refresh, hey, refresh. <laughs> but um, that was our childhood. I didn't really think it was based around technology. I just thought that was our childhood. So flash forward, I graduate college and... Right. I had a thought that maybe I wanted to be an artist and I was doing some photography. But, you know, being creative is really tough to do what you want while getting paid because the whole point of getting paid is you're doing what they want. Right. (laughs) And in the end, at the end of the day, it's not as creative as I thought in my head being an artist would be like, I think you have to be a really wealthy artist or really lucky or long term time artist to actually be able to work on what you want to work on and get paid. So I was like, wow, I was like, I really need to just cover my basic bills, which is like food, health, rent, you know. And so I was like, okay, I was like, I don't have to be an artist. I decided because the money was not there. I decided I didn't want to struggle for five years. And I was like, I will do anything that I consider creative. And I don't care what it is, as long as I think it's creative in any way. Right. So it was a very broad thing. So my first job was actually in print. I kind of worked at this small uh, print graphic design shop as I started as her assistant, then she promoted me to account executive. But here, account executive is kind of like a project manager, but more, it was very easy because it was very, just print. Print's a little bit easier to project manage. Uh, Then I worked there. But then the economy turned really bad and I got laid off because obviously this is print. Still in Florida. This is in Santa Monica. I moved oh. out after college. I went to college at university in North Carolina. And uh, after college, I moved out to L.A. because I wanted to. I didn't have a job. Nothing. And I was like, I'm, yeah, I'm like, going because I knew it was a more creative is, city. Yeah. So I got laid off and it took me at least a year, I think, to find my next job because no one wants to hire someone who just graduated from college, worked two to three years in a print graphic design shop. Yeah. <laughs> um, but funny enough, business.com was launching a really heavy content based weddings website and right. a home improvement website. So they needed someone who could work both with their photo editor, which ding, 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 my background's in photography. Right. 
and be kind of like a project manager. So the position title was, um, I think it's production coordinator at the time. Yeah. So I got that, got on board there. And then the company was, I can't remember how big, it was around 300 at the time. And they were rapidly growing and expanding at the time. Yeah. And then from there, that's where I learned, I'm like, oh, there's this profession called a project manager. And I'd sit in meetings and I saw them and I would go to lunch and ask them questions. And I was like, okay, that's what I want. And I decided I wanted to be a project manager. And then, and then the, the journey goes on. Well, I mean, from a high level after business.com, I got into retail, worked at American Apparel, managing really the customer facing retail website. Um, and then from there, I went to ad agencies like Trailer Park, Petrol Advertising. And then I've worked at BCBG, which is another retail side. And then I also continued my retail with Dollar Shave Club. And what would you say throughout your whole journey was a huge obstacle that you successfully overcame? I think the obstacles that are the biggest, I haven't fully overcome. <laughs> uh, like one example is that, you know, obviously I'm a female, but I'm very uh, blunt and straight to the point kind of person. Right. So one of the things that I struggle with is trying to be myself, be my genuine self. But obviously I don't want to offend anyone. Right. And when I mean offend, I mean, if I say something in a way that gets in the way that we're working or, and we can't get work done, we can't get alignment and so that's something that I constantly struggle with. And that's not something that I've 100% overcome. I think part of it is that a lot of people view women as, you know, we're just supposed to be very nice, smiley. I'm not yeah. a smiley person. <laughs> we're supposed to be so friendly. I can be friendly. But I mean, I wouldn't say the first 10 words about me is friendly is not top 10. Uh, you know, I'm not any of those kind of kinds of things. I'm actually... I think aggressive is an interesting term because yeah. I feel like I grew up fighting, fighting for everything. So it's not that I'm aggressive, but it's like more I'm a fighter. Yeah. But people view that as aggressive. And I think aggressive and female, that's in their head, it like blows their mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it's very hard for them. And me as a project manager, I give people like direction. I check in on people. And that can be a very touchy subject. You know, when people are like, why is this like lady checking in on me? Why is she asking for a deadline? Why is she asking me to do this? And so it's just really balancing like, how do I come across? What do people expect of me? Their expectations? And how do they align or not align? Right. So that and then knowing is there something that I need to change because it would make my life easier? Right, know? right, right. It's really powerful to recognize our own strengths and weaknesses and how we're perceived and then adapt accordingly in a way that feels organic for us. Like um, I'm a caretaker kind of person. So I have to balance the boundaries of caretaking. I like being that way, but at the same time, I'm not trying to be that way. It's just how my brain's wired. So it was important for me to identify like, OK, this is my personality type, whether I like it or not. So to what extent do I want to um, apply that in business world? And to what extent do I want to apply that in my personal life? And where are the boundaries so that I'm also taking care of myself first? That's always been a huge one is that I typically take care of others before I take care of myself. I think that definitely goes with me, too. Like, I kind of feel like I was raised where asking yourself, like, what do I need was actually viewed as selfish. Yeah. So totally. I'm that's one of the things that I'm working on really hard is to take care of myself yeah. so so that I can take care of others better. A hundred percent. We can't. That's what I had to learn the hard way. If I want to genuinely serve others, I need to take care of myself first or I'm inadequate serving others. So, yes. Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. You are awesome. Anything else you wanted to share before we wrap up? 
I love it. Thank you. You're welcome. I will talk to you guys. See you guys. Hear you guys in the next episode. Remember to say hello at Women in Tech Show on all the socials. Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Bye. This episode of the Women in Tech Show is powered by UpGuard. UpGuard's discovery engine brings visibility to complex IT environments, enabling teams to quickly identify risk, confirm compliance, and make business safer. They are proud supporters and employers of incredible women in tech. The Women in Tech podcast is an independent production funded by you, the community. To support Women in Tech, if you believe in the vision as much as we do, please consider going to womenintechpodcast.com. That's womenintechpodcast.com and just click on the contribution link to keep this podcast going. Thank you. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.